Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings everyone and thanks a lot for joining us on yet another episode of uh, The Weekly Beats. My name is Maggie Omotesi. As always, I'm joined by uh, my colleague and uh, co-host Dumi Jerry, coming to us from Iswatini. Dumi, you've become um, a southern trotter. <laughs> southern <laughs> African trotter. <laughs> well, southern Africa is home, man. And obviously today, um, we're not alone, we have a guest joining us uh, from Juba in South Sudan, a call doc, who is an entrepreneur, political economy analyst, a writer, and um, you know, overseeing a lot of things across Africa in terms of investment and business. Akol, thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a lovely morning. I'm having a fantastic morning. Thank you for having me. Awesome. A lot of East African countries, you can say, cannot sleep at the moment because Kenya is a big brother, you know, it is one of those countries within the region that has been able to attract a lot of FDIs. It has um, had such uh, stability for a very long time. I mean, it has one of the biggest startup ecosystems uh, across Africa. So there are a lot of questions around why waiting for a new president really matters to countries within East Africa. And uh, obviously, I don't know if this really matters to Southern Africa, Domi, does it? Um, yes, it does. It does. Because at the end of the day, Africa is I mean, one connected when we look at it from the point of view of the AFCFTA. So whatever happens in South Africa has an impact on um, Kenya or Nigeria or what, and vice versa. So yes, we are all keenly watching these results that seem to be taking forever to come in. When one says the East African region is watching Kenya closely, uh, for a lot of people, South Sudan is not immediately the country comes that, that comes to mind. What What are your thoughts? People are people don't understand the relations between countries and how Kenya has become sort of like a regional hegemon in East Africa, uh, because now Kenya is a guarantor of the peace agreement in South Sudan. Uh, Kenya has also played a key role in Somalia and Ethiopia. Uh, so Kenya itself is a leader in East Africa. So. This election is a, it's, it's, a, it's a big issue for South Sudanese because the policies of the Kenyan president affect South Sudan. I mean, i give you an example. The biggest bank in South Sudan is KCB, which controls more than 50% of the market. And KCB has over 21 branches in South Sudan. It's the largest financial services provider in South Sudan. Behind KCB is Equity Bank. Behind Equity Bank is Cooperative Bank. So right there you have almost 50 to 70 to 80 percent of the market and finances only Kenyan banks. So this also is important to South Sudanese entrepreneurs, the economic sector and uh, the government's economic cluster. And so it's something people are watching because it's going to affect South Sudan. It's going to affect things moving forward. While we spoke earlier on, you mentioned something very important, uh, lessons to draw from Kenya in terms of democracy and, uh, you know, the coloration between that and uh, stability and business? I think it's quite interesting because from an African point of view, we have to look at how elections in the political process have been held historically and why Kenya is unique and Kenya special. We look at the region. Kenya's neighbor, Tanzania, has had one political party, which is the CCM, Chama Chama Penduzi. Mm. 
Yeah. And this political party is guaranteed to win elections. Um, the way the constitution is set up, CCM is not leaving power. Then <laughs> next door, you have Uganda, NRM, and Museveni, who's been in power since 1986. Um, mm-hmm. This is somebody who wins elections, and he's the figure, flag bearer. South Sudan, we've been independent since 2011, and we've had one party. But then you look at Sudan, which was a neighbor of Kenya for independence, which was ruled by the National Congress Party from 1989 to 2019. You go to Ethiopia, and you see that the TPLF has been ruling Ethiopia from 1991 until recently. Mm. Why is Kenya unique? Because Kenya is a country that can transition from different political factions peacefully. Other countries have held elections. But these elections have been largely ceremony, you can say, because you have most of, of the, the political parties and the political figureheads still running for re-election. But in Kenya, you have a president that is not extending his term, that's leaving office as per the constitution. Mm-hmm. And the two candidates that are coming, one was his former rival and another is his uh, deputy president who he's fallen out with, which means things can go either way. Where in other African countries, it's set up where you protect yourself and say, this is going to be done the way I want it to be done. And the fact that this thing has not been cooked or concocted, prove that Kenya set an example. So the reason I'm giving these examples to prove that within East Africa, within Africa, mm-hmm. political stability is important for investment. It's important for economic mm-hmm. development because many investors will look at situations where you have one leader, you have one party, and say that this is dangerous because the day that person leaves party, the whole, you say, uh, chessboard breaks or the card, uh, the card, uh, house of cards collapses. Kenya had its history of dictatorship. It's had its dictator, the history of authoritarianism from mm-hmm. the time of uh, Daniel Arap Moy. And now, from 2017, it had an election that had to take into court and was done again. And now it's having an election where we don't know who's going to win. Can you tell me where in Africa we can have that where we don't know who's going to win? That's a good it can't be rigged. So what does that mean? That means Kenya is safe for investment. Meaning as an investor, if I want to invest long-term in a country in Africa, I'm going to select Kenya because I know that if Kenya has an election, the president is not going to come and change his term. The president can leave office and a new person will come in and it's going to be peaceful without violence. And this is why Kenya is different. Other countries, you can't have transition. You can't have these things, but it'll involve violence. And in other countries in Africa, you have one party or one clique that's been ruling and it's going to continue to rule. So this is why, this is, this is why Kenya's economic development is going, to, is going to propel, it's going to keep moving forward because an investor is aware that this is a country compared to other African countries that has political stability. Therefore, political stability equates to economic stability. Economic stability means that now we can start investing money in Kenya. You raised quite a number of interesting points. Um, and I think it would be remiss of us to not touch on South Sudan while we have an expert uh, from South Sudan itself. You mentioned how political stability is linked to economic stability, which then translates to investments, correct? I just want to find out, because I mean, you also mentioned uh, how Uhuru Kenyatta and uh, the now Deputy President William Ruto how at some point they were together aligned and now they don't quite see eye to eye. And then we move on to South Sudan, uh, we, from time to time, we have read in the papers that, um, you know, the president and uh, perhaps the deputy president and the vice president of South Sudan sometimes don't quite see eye to eye. How does that then play out from an investment perspective in South Sudan? How is that looking like at this point? The differences between 
President Uhuru Kenyatta and Vice President William Ruto has been yeah. largely in the political arena. It hasn't resorted okay. to people or mobilizing violence. I mean, it, it didn't reach a point where the Kalenjin and the Kukui are at each other's throat. It's largely remained in the political arena. And that's the political maturity of Kenya. In the South Sudan context, it's quite volatile because political differences translate to military confrontation. And these military tra- confrontations become ethnic, meaning that okay. your base says that we're going to support you, not politically, mm-hmm. but also militarily and economically, which now forces people to say, okay, I want in a power-sharing agreement, I want my share in government positions and seats in the parliament, because by having seats in the parliament and access to these ministerial positions, I'm trying to mobilize funds to galvanize my base and galvanize my base so in the future, if I do want to threaten the government, I have resources. This okay. is why the dynamic in South Sudan is quite volatile, where mm. you, you can call it like the, you, the African warlord politics, where you, don't have, you know that you cannot win an election, or you know that you don't have the base. So you mobilize the base on ethnicity, on regionalism, you get guns, and you threaten the government that if you don't give me a seat in the government, I'm simply going to create destruction. That's what separates, like I said, the Kenyans from the South Sudanese, the Liberians, and Sierra Leone, where other people have used force to threaten. I mean, the example I'll give, imagine if Ruto had mobilized, let's say, the Kalenjin militarily and said, if Uhuru doesn't give me what I want, I'm going to threaten his government. It would have been a quite different story. Yeah. But Uhuru and Ruto's problems are largely political. Uh, it doesn't involve ethnicity, it doesn't involve uh, mobilizing the region, military, it involves, they just have political differences. And it's stayed like that. And that's why investors look for, meaning that if I go invest, for example, in South Sudan, and I know that this, there's a potential for military confrontation, my investment can be destroyed just from risk, risk analysis. But if I know that some of these issues stay largely in the political arena, political differences are always going to be there. But in Africa, we need to find a way where we can solve political differences amicably and peacefully and not resort to military confrontation and in some places in africa we haven't reached that point i mean you look at the example there's some um senators in liberia for example that are there like prince johnson is there but the virtue of that if you take me out of office i'm going to threaten the government and this is why kenya is unique because (laughs) the loser of this election it's true the loser of this election is going to concede and is going to accept the results if he doesn't accept it, he'll take it to court. But he's not going to go and create violence, mobilize their base, mobilize their region. For me, I think there is so much to pick from in terms of um, creating stability for the good of business. There's been a lot that has been done within ESC. I think it's one of the uh, fastest growing regions. And this year, just this year, uh, businesses were expected to grow you know, by 11%. In closing a call, um, where do you see the region with this uh, into play, depending on who we have as the new leader for the Big Brother Kenya, and considering what has happened in the past couple of months, or even the past year since rebuilding of COVID, where are we headed as the ESC? I think the ESC is heading towards a positive trajectory, um, especially in the areas of finance and infrastructure. One of the big projects is the LAPSET project. And then also now the EAC is looking at establishing the EAC central bank. So I think the regional block has a lot of potential to make a positive impact on the citizens of EAC. And I think with examples like Kenya, it can inspire other people because there's another thing with 
the issue of Kenya is that citizens of neighboring countries of Kenya are seeing this like, if they did it, we can do it too. If they had a peaceful election, peaceful transfer of power, it's possible. You know, they're saying if he, if they do it, I can do it too. And it will inspire uh, those people and it will inspire people to be more politically active, inspire them also to think about ways that we can have more political systems that ensure sustainable socioeconomic development. That's where the EAC can be very influential in being sort of a guarantor to ensure that conflict in these countries is not going to reach violent impasse. It will be mitigated and it will be controlled to ensure that we don't reach a point of all-out war within this region. So I think the EAC has a lot of potential to unite people in the uh, East African community, but also develop a trajectory for socioeconomic development in the region. I think I'm going to take it from the point of view of um, something that Ako mentioned, and in so much in full agreement. Uh, for example, last week, Friday, the 12th of August, was uh, International Youth Day in 2022, and uh, we cannot ignore the challenges that uh, youth face across our continent and the unemployment thereof that is as a result of, um, you know, um, not so many opportunities arising for the youth. So to whoever is coming in in Kenya, I think um, one of the key priority sectors that they have to look at is youth, I mean, youth employment, not youth unemployment. They need to find ways of tackling that and uh, creating opportunities, uh, particularly for the youth to build their skills, uh, to be self-reliant, to contribute to the economy. Uh, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, youth are the future. So there's no denying that. And when you have a large population of youth that's sitting idle and not doing anything, uh, it's always a recipe for disaster. So the best way to counter that is to make sure that uh, you create as many opportunities as, 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 as possible. And... Uh, yeah, the rest will take care of itself, I suppose. So that will be what my one piece of advice to the um, new incoming president of, um, of, 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 of Kenya. Maggie? Uh, guys, thank you so much. Obviously, we've run out of time, but we're having a follow-up on this discussion, especially with uh, investing in South Sudan. What opportunities to look out for looking at the region in a more broader uh, perspective? Um, that brings us to the end of this particular episode. Obviously, we've run out of time, but we hope you've enjoyed it. And as we await uh, the new president of Kenya, um, I think here's to peace and profits. The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.